When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to go on patreon.com backslash Podcast If you're a fan of the show, we've got a lot of great stuff there for subscribers. Please feel free to subscribe and help us out so we can continue to hit up all the different conventions that are coming up throughout the next few months. And now, let's talk about one of the greatest fucking movies from the 80s. <laughs> on Horror Movie Night, we're running through sewers, we're hanging out in movie theaters, and we're remembering that time that Scott blobbed into his own eye. Let's talk about 1988's The Blob, as picked by Adam. Oh, that was pretty good. I couldn't believe I didn't that. <laughs> Short and sweet, just the way I am. <laughs> uh, so, Adam, you uh, basically just sent us a list of movies that you would like us to discuss one day, and Scott and I picked them at random. Um, and well, not so random because we both saw the list and we're like, "The Blob, 1988, let's do it." So this is uh, this is Adam's pick. Uh, why did you put The Blob, 1988, on your list? Because uh, he wanted because... to stop picking bad movies. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And I'm all I'm all sort of regretting it because I got no notes because I I just sat down last night and I watched this and it's a good fucking movie. Yeah, it's I've a got really a, good fucking movie. I've literally I got, got enough, don't worry. good because I've got very little notes as well. Just like little like, oh, this is a cool death. I like this death. This is a good scene. Um, this movie's a little slow to start, but then when it gets going, it's like fucking zero to 50, right? As soon as the first blob death happens, it's like nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I it's feel so like good. right up until the point that the boyfriend gets killed, not even the homeless guy, because that still is a little slow. They just pull back the blanket and whatever. He's he's half gone. But up till the point where the boyfriend gets killed, the movie is very slow. Um, definitely doing a lot of character setup for people that I honestly don't give a shit about. Yeah. I don't even really give a shit about our main characters in this movie. Um, I'm here for the blob. 
I'm yeah. just here for the blob. Well, it's it's because this movie is it is the best take on a 50s monster movie. Like the the thing really modernized the thing from Another World, which is also a 50s horror movie, a 50s monsters movie, but um I think that this movie did exactly what a 50s monster movie would have done just with better effects and it's like the monster is the star of the movie. It's not people fighting it. You know, those people are kind of interchangeable. I mean, like, it's cool that they win and everything like that. Uh, but the the blob really is the main attraction in this, just like in the original and just like in so many of those sci-fi-y monster horror movies from the 50s. So uh, you guys aren't wrong. Yeah, it, this was from, like, there was a solid period from, like, 86 to 88 where they were just taking these 50s sci-fi horror movies and just making awesomely gory versions of them. But I think what was great about all three of those remakes and why they're so uh, well-received is that they are dramatically different than the original 50s counterpart film. Uh, The Blob, probably the one that follows the original story the closest. Well, it follows the original story... And it also pays great homage to about five different scenes from the original movie, which is super cool, I think. Yeah, but then you know that it's a completely new movie when the character who would have been the Steve McQueen character gets, in the original yep. gets killed right away. And I That's remember the that, best part of the beginning. Yeah, like that part shocked me when I saw this as a kid because I'd seen the original Blob, and all of a sudden I'm like holy shit! Like, it's like, oh no, I don't know where this movie's gonna go now. And, like, that's fucking awesome. Like, it's so rare that a movie does that. I almost wish that I could have watched this movie for this week for the first time ever. Because it... Yeah, like, it's... It's it's great. The special effects still hold up. The death scenes are amazing throughout the movie. It's just a really good fucking movie. Um... So let's talk I, – I guess the best way to discuss this is like, Scott, you can walk us through your notes. But I feel like really this movie is just a series of death scene highlights that we can just talk at nauseam about. Yeah, pretty much. But so we get started with the the town is um, – it's, it's football season. So I'm guessing it's early November. Um, and it said, they have a sign up that says, pray for snow which I think is great foreshadowing because, as you know, the blob hates cold. Yeah. Um, and then as you're watching it, and I noticed a bunch of stuff because I knew – I've seen this movie quite a few times. Um, but every time I watch it, I forget that the boyfriend gets eaten at the beginning. I forget that he's the guy that gets eaten. So it's always a wonderful su- surprise because I mostly remember the kills. You know, like it's just one of those weird movies where no, no, nobody matters, just the blob. Um, but – uh, so I had a, I feel like I had a bit more critical eye uh, watching it this time because it had been a couple years, and I think it was just maybe about two years ago that I watched the original for the first time in like fifteen years. So um, that was even fresher in my mind, so I could kind of like see the the parallels. I never realized, but everybody has pink pom poms in the stands watching it. It's like mini blobs. It's very fun because I think that the school's colors were red and white, and so. When they're shaking their pom-poms in the stands of the football game, it looks like they have pink on their hands. Pretty cool. Yeah, this movie was a lot of thought and and care was put into this movie. And I think a large part of that is that it was co-written by Frank Darabont, um, who who always gives a lot of thought and care and and, and sort of elevates the things that uh, that what, he makes. What else like, has he done? 
Uh, he was the writer of um, pretty well everything that's that's good. That's like a Stephen King adaptation. So Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, uh, The Mist, Green Mile, Green Mile. Oh, yeah, oh Green. wow, yeah, he did all he did do all the good Stephen King movies. And then he did the first episode of Walking Dead, and then famously he, like walked away from it because he didn't like the direction he, it was going. Wow, he didn't walk away from it. Like uh, AMC totally fucked everything up and pretty well forced him out. And he since sued them and won over that. Wow. Nice. Good for him. So, um, like what you're saying about the pray for snow, the foreshadowing there with the pink in the stands, with the pom poms and stuff. A lot of a lot of stuff definitely feels um, purposeful and 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 given a lot of thought and care into it. And I think that is is in large part due to Frank Bear Darebont's writing on this as well um it, there's so many ways that this movie could have gone terribly wrong like with the concept being you know a, a giant space blob wants yeah. to kill people right but they 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 take it very seriously throughout most of it and and i was really i watched this movie probably about about 11 30 midnight midnight last night and uh i was really uncomfortable watching it just knowing like there's a lot of really graphic shit coming up. Like, I know what the deaths and the kills and stuff are. I know who's going to die. And it's just like, the, all I could think, like, I was like, I was kind of like fidgeting the whole time, just thinking like, this is the worst fucking way to die ever. <laughs> yeah, like having your skin um, digested off of your bones as you're alive. Yeah, and there's a one, I think I think it's one of the people is stuck in the ceiling, like he gets pulled up to the ceiling, and you can, he's making noises like he's still alive, but his body, like the bottom half of his body is all half melted on, but his brain is still like alive, it's like, oh, oh. what an awful, awful fucking way to go. I, I feel so like bad. you are, um, you probably instinctively picked this movie because there's a really graphic child death in it, Uh Later yeah. on in the sewers, uh, that one kid gets eaten. Um, I always forget which kid gets eaten, so it's always a treat to uh, to have that be a surprise every time. Um, but uh, you guys are right that that the first like ten fifteen minutes are just character exposition um, and explanation, um, just kind of building up uh, false assumptions about who is going to play what role in this film, um, which I think is cool. Uh, it's cool with the survivor girl. Um, what's her name? Is it Meg? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember anybody's yeah. name. I, the yeah, only Meg. name that I know is, is Johnny drama. That's it. That's all. <laughs> uh, yes. Meg is the survivor girl. Um, she is a cheerleader, but she is not like the other cheerleaders. She's smart, I guess is kind of the implication there. Um, I love, although it's slow at the beginning. Um, I love the, uh, the, the drugstore scene. Because the shitty friend of the boyfriend uh, goes up and pins buying the condoms on his buddy. And his buddy's like, come on, man. Can't keep this girl waiting. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I, I like that a lot. Um, but he definitely deserves that death. Uh, Erica Aleniak um, plays Vicky, the, the makeout girl, with, uh, with that jerk dude in his car. And he's like... He definitely deserves to fucking die because he basically date rapes girls. Yeah, um, he's a fucking date rapist. He's yeah, terrible. Yeah. Uh, actually, of anybody that of everyone that dies in this movie, there are two people that deserve it so fucking bad. Him and the scientist dude who basically created the blob. Um, dude, and I love yeah. I love the shot of him stuck in the sewer drain or the the uh, the manhole, 
and it like just fills up the the suit, the, the and then visor, he just yeah. shakes violently and then drops down, and it's awesome. Uh, so the director yeah. of this movie is Chuck Russell, uh, who I'm looking at his IMDb right now. And uh, so this was the second movie he ever made. The first movie he made was fucking Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Wow. Um, And then he did nothing for six years and then made The Mask with Jim Carrey. (laughs) Wow, this guy's kind of knocking it out of the park a little bit. Then he did Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Scorpion Mm. King. Oh, wow. Yeah, so oh, he, I mean, I know that most of those movies a- after <laughs> Dream Warriors don't really hold up that great, but at the time that they came out, they were hot shit. So yeah. I don't know because Arnold Schwarzenegger in like late nineties, that one Racer came out like ninety nine or something ninety six. So that was like okay. peak. That was peak that's, Schwartz. That's his second. That's his second wave there because in the mid 80s he had his bodybuilder face and then he had this like resurgence in the late 90s where he yeah was they're like doing, like the like true lies phase yeah, yeah this was true this lies, was after true racer. lies it was after true lies and before batman and robin <laughs> that was a low point in arnie's uh career but then after that he did have the sixth day right uh where is the sixth day on there yep the sixth day was shortly after yeah and- i mean that would be I only saw it once, and I thought it was goofy as hell, but that might be worth discussing at some point in the future. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're, we're, we're getting off the the, um, the path here. Let's get back to it. Um, so the um, there's no medical insurance for the hobo, and so they won't see him. Uh, so I guess he's just going to have to get eaten by a... Uh, you know, a flesh-eating alien, um, very similar to the, uh, the the current state of American healthcare and, and politics. So uh, we just need uh, the government to shoot uh, some sort of microbe up into the sky and have it come back down and eat people. So we're we're getting there, guys. We're gonna make America blob again. Uh, so. <laughs> As as whatever jarhead or whatever it was taught us, American healthcare costs you an arm and a leg. Junk <laughs> <laughs> face, you idiot! Junk face, jarhead. <laughs> Fuck off! I don't care. Oh man! Yeah. Remember I, that Archie comic where Jughead had to sacrifice people to a pit? <laughs> His own baby. Um, so the effects are just killer in this movie, and and uh, man, he gets lit. Paul, the the quote unquote survivor boy. Uh, gets liquefied right away, and it's awful because he's like, ah, ah, you know, his face is like getting liquefied underneath the blob, and his arm is out, and Meg grabs his arm, and she pulls, and it comes with her, but the rest of him goes out the window, and she's like, yeah, you know? And then, at least in this movie, I feel like, more so than the original, um, the police are like more, they come on board quicker. In the original, it's like, you know, you got, uh, Nobody in town believes uh, uh, Steve McQueen, and so he's like running around trying to, you know. Well, fight he the, is. The... He's also a fifty-year-old man pretending that he's in high school. So, would you believe that individual either? <laughs> Listen, he got held back a couple times. <laughs> it's because he's good at football. Uh, That's what I love about these blob victims. <laughs> I get older. Damn, same me. That's good. That sink death is super gnarly. Um, yeah, I, that's one of the ones I called out, man. That sink death is so good. Yeah, it's it's very. It reminds me a lot of um, Rasputin's death in the beginning of Hellboy. 
you know, when he they open the portal and then they close it with the Nazis in the 40s, and he, like, gets pulled stomach first and then turned in half. Oh, yeah. I, I know that that's happened in a couple other movies. I think one of which we at least have discussed on the podcast. There's, it's just, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, that's pretty pretty gross death. Um, and then that lady who was working in the diner runs outside uh, while... Leather jacket guy and Meg, Survivor Girl. Johnny, Johnny Drama. Johnny Drama and and Meg, Survivor Girl, run to the freezer. Um, she runs outside to the payphone. And I'm like, oh, man, this movie is so fucking outdated. Uh, but she tries to call the, the, the police station. She's like, get Sheriff so-and-so. And then they're like, he's out already. And she turns around and the blob is encompassing the telephone booth. And then his face like the the policeman's face is right there, and then his eyeball like just goes bloop, you know. It's oh man, I don't know how they exactly that they did it because I think all of this is practical. I don't think any of this was even painted on the film. Um, there there are scenes where you see a wide shot of the blob, when huge like in the movie theater okay, and stuff. Yeah, where that is bad. that's definitely animation of some kind. But the stuff like with the sink, with the boyfriend, with the um. Um, with the the phone booth, that is all practical, and and I have no fucking idea how they did it because it it looks it looks amazing. Like, yeah. again, it's twelve thirty at night. I'm watching a, a woman slowly die in a phone booth, and I'm freaking the fuck out over here. Like, I'm not the having. Thing a- is, though, I don't feel like she died slowly. Luckily, the phone booth kind of like explodes inward, and so I think that she just bled out immediately because she got hit with tons of glass shards. So I think she might have gotten away the least painfully out of anybody in this film. Um, so we're, we're same cannot be said for the guy who goes head first through the sink. Yeah. Oh man, that might be the worst. Yeah. The, the most painful versus the least painful right there. But as we've learned from house and a couple other movies, you never put your hand down in a sink. It's just bad news. Really just, it's like, you know how in scream they have the rules, like never say who's there. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Never put your hand down in a sink. It's a good uh, rule of thumb not to be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, I, I, at this point, I always remember my only qualm with this film. It's the crazy priest. I don't think that subplot really needed to happen. Um, it's It was added completely for the remake. It's not in the original. Um, it's not terrible. I just feel like it muddies the waters. Uh, yeah, why, why does he have a jar? Why did he go to the, the kitchen? Why did he look in the freezer? Why did he pick up those crystals? Why did he put them in the jar? He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Why would he? His actions there make no real sense. I guess the implication is that his son or daughter died. I can't remember who's who he was. Oh, no, he's not a he's a priest, so he doesn't have any kids. He was was he at the oh, he was at the drugstore. I don't know. I thought that it was like he became an apocalypse priest because of someone dying that he knew. But no, it's not. He's just a fucking asshole. And he gets his face burnt for no reason. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're at the E.T. scene where the feds all kind of like come out of uh, – they're like combing the woods. And then uh, Giant Drama and Meg um, get caught and then they have to like get away. But there's – it's actually a well-done exposition scene where – Giant drama hears them talking about how they shot the microbe up into space and it came back down and they're going to use it as like a weapon. Um, and it's also cool because it updates instead of it being an alien, it's man-made and shadow government, which is way more of an eighties trope instead of a fifties trope, which would have been alien. So I like that a lot. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think it was they sent like a flesh eating. I think they sent like a lot of different diseases up into space in that probe. And then it got like a flesh eating disease got irradiated by fucking Bruce Banner gamma rays or something. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I don't know. Exact same way that the Fantastic Four came about. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. this this blob is actually the remains of Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is the nerdiest reference you've ever made, Adam, and I love you. Um, okay, Let's so tune in, tune in next week where he just talks about video games for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, I feel like this is a little bit more of a stretch because I, Adam, like, <laughs> like Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Man, this is the best five minutes of our podcast ever. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. So um, we have our own Falcon Duke in this movie in the uh, the theater. He's behind the, the two younger brothers that are out um, watching the, what is it, like the, the Hedge Clipper Massacre or something like that. Um, yeah, the Hedge Clipper is so ludicrous. <laughs> but he's like, he's got this chick next to him and he's just, the guy behind them, he's got this like shitty stash and he's just like, yo, look at what's happening on the TV screen. Ah, he's going to kill her. Ah. And they're like, can you shut the fuck up? So he's like, um, all I can think of uh, when I see this scene, especially because of the fact that he, he gets it pretty soon afterwards, is uh, do you remember you know, the greatest movie ever made, Freaked? Um, there's the, there's the biker dude that dumps all of the slime on, uh, the, the nerdy kid turning him into the giant troll creature. He's like, just a obnoxious biker. He's like, I told you kids, sit the fuck down. (laughs) It's like, it's like role reversal a little bit. Uh, I, I also, it's important to call out that I love in these late eighties movies whenever people are going to a horror movie that's like, a very clear parody of another horror franchise that's out already. So like with the hedge clipper masker, or I think it's in a uh, monster squad. He wants to go see groundhogs day seven. Yeah. And he's like, the dad says something. He's like, I thought they killed him in the last one. He's like, well, he came back. He's like, if they blew him up, chopped him in the little bits and sent his head to China, he'd still come back. He goes, that's how part four ended. <laughs> 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 I, I just want to say, if I was in the theater and this guy was talking like that behind me, oh man, it would have been clobber in time. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh my god, man, you're really doing it for me this week. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is actually a large part of the reason why I wanted to pick this movie. So um, that guy gets killed. He gets sucked up to the ceiling. Everybody starts running away uh, out of the theater. If there's anything important that happens here, please, in between here, but remind me. But then the sister comes, and, and she uh, sort of hurries the boys into the, the, the sewer, right? So they get they get down there, and they get away from the blob, and there's a long scene where the blob is in the water, and they're trying to climb up the, um, the like, pipes and stuff to get out of there, right? Yeah. Um, the blob in the water begins to stretch up and, and towards them as they're climbing, and it looks so much like, like a rectum and anus. <laughs> oh my god, I was hoping you were going to be a prolapsed asshole. <laughs> it totally does. And that is the part that that stands out to me the most, that I always remember from this movie, was three people climbing up a pipe in a, in a butthole, just chasing after them. Like, <laughs> so, uh, you guys know how a couple weeks ago we talked about how Critters was like, that movie for me? I guess this is Adam's movie. <laughs> 
You know, the one that you jerked off the most to is what I was getting. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. But you hate yourself for it. Um, (laughs) So so as they're getting out of the sewer, um, or maybe it's while they're in the sewer, uh, the the people that were the producers were like, "Hmm, we've got some budget left over. How about a chase scene? And so uh, Johnny Drama is on his motorcycle just like doing jumps and there's explosions and it's insane. And I'm like, I know this isn't even the climax of the movie yet. And they're just like dumping money into this unnecessary scene. Um, but Johnny, oh, yeah, yeah. Johnny, Johnny drama fell off that bike so many times in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then he gets, so I love the fact that these sewers are, they're more like aqueducts, I guess, but they're so big that he can ride a motorcycle in the sewer. It is the most eighties Coke binge thing that we've seen in a movie in some, quite some time. I think it's, it's amazing. It is super amazing. But they get out of the sewer eventually, and they get up, and the whole town is in the town square because that's exactly how small towns worked in the eighties, I guess. Uh, and somebody got the, bit by a snake, so the whole town had to come out and <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, uh, some crites ate the balls off of a guy in an Easter Bunny outfit. <laughs> it's it's a recurring theme that we've been dealing with all spring here. So. Um, the, we're at the point where the blob is um, starting to come out of the sewer and it eats the asshole scientist um, and, and, you know, it comes up through his faceplate and that looks amazing. And it just starts wreaking havoc and they're shooting bullets at it. Like, do you think that a blob is going to give two shits about your little piece of metal? It's so silly. But I, I think that so we got a couple explosions here and then everybody goes to the town hall of the church. I don't know what that building. Oh, no, it's a police station, right? I think so. Yeah. They're, they're all boarded up in this. I mean, that's not going to do any good. Meg gets out and she so they, they somehow have an entire tanker of liquid nitrogen. And that's great. I, I, I'm sure that there's some reason why it's there, but I can't for the life of me remember I didn't write the note down. So th- her plan is to blow up the nitrogen uh, with the blob on top of it so that it freezes because she knows that it can't handle cold. So she goes over and she like drops a depth or drops a piece of dynamite in it like freaking Wiley e. Coyote gets stuck, falls off, falling off of it. And then giant drama comes up and grabs her and pulls her off. And then it explodes and the blob turns into a bunch of pieces of amethyst. And then all the hipsters from Brooklyn come out because they want to get their crystals to fix their chakra. That's the end <laughs> of the movie. Um, everybody goes away happy because it snowed. Except for the priest who has kept two pieces of amethyst and they are now warmed up and blobs and he has some sort of church revival and he's going to unleash the blob on something. Uh, Totally unnecessary side plot. It would have been fine without the gotcha moment at the end, but great film. Adam, never picked a better movie than this. And he never will. (laughs) You've seen the rest of that list. You know I won't. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? 
As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. So what did you guys watch this week? I watched Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and uh, it's been a while since I've watched that. Um, it was on Netflix, and it, I just thought, you know, uh, I, I have some time to kill before bed tonight. I'll watch it. And so I'm watching it in bed. Megan's asleep next to me. And I'm remembering how terrifying Freddy really was to me when I was a kid. Because that movie, I think, makes Freddy actually scary again. Because, like, the first movie, I felt like he's scary um, and very, very ominous. And you feel like he is going to kill you in your sleep uh, in horrible ways. And then the rest of the movies, he becomes kind of a caricature. It's not that I don't love Freddy, but... New Nightmare gets back, in my opinion, to that same feeling that I had about Freddy before seeing, like, you know, Dream Child. Um, and it's it's really, it's a very dark movie, and uh, I, I love that movie. <laughs> I had forgotten how good it was. It's really good, and it has a lot of, kind of, it, it feels like Wes Craven was working shit out in his brain about how he wanted to write Scream when he was writing Wes Craven's New Nightmare, because um, it has a lot of similar meta discussion about horror, and he pokes fun at himself and things like that. Um, obviously, it wasn't quite crystallized um, into what Scream became, but you can definitely watch New Nightmare and kind of get the feeling that he already was mentally working towards Scream. I actually haven't really been able to watch too much as of late uh i've been working a bunch of doubles um been been just fucking crushing podcasts left and right uh lately um i will say that i discovered a podcast that is on the geekscape network that uh, i enjoy it's for star trek fans specifically for fans of star trek voyager it's called seven of wine uh it's two female star trek fans out in la and they pick an episode of Voyager, and then they find a bottle of wine that fits the theme of that episode, and they get drunk and talk about the episode of Star Trek together for an hour. Uh, that is so amazingly specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's only about four episodes in. It's pretty good. Um, both of them are really cool. Uh, at least seem pretty cool. I've been talking to them online about us hanging out at the Geekscape booth at San Diego Comic-Con, which is a great time to mention. I will be at San Diego Comic-Con uh, in July if you are on the West Coast and you are a fan of the show, which I know we have a decent amount of West Coast listeners. Uh, that might be one of your best chances to swing by and say hi. You know, all you need to do is buy a ticket to San Diego Comic-Con, so good luck with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you've already We're got worth it... Worth every penny to yeah. Matt Kelly. <laughs> if you've already got it... If you already got a ticket, feel free to swing by the Geekscape booth. And uh, I'm definitely working on a few other future conventions, but that is the one that is currently set in stone. So uh, I'll, I'll promote that one, at least. Um, Adam, take us home. Uh, I watched the newest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> was it good? Megan uh, was just talking last night about, she's like, should I buy the season pass? And I said, I didn't even finish last season. Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. We, we got a, a lip sync this time around. Um it, uh, I don't know. I didn't like the um, the sort of what Esther or whatever they have to do competition that they had to do this episode. It was all about cheerleading, so it was just an annoying cheerleader thing. 
just a whole sketch about that and like a song and stuff. So I, I didn't much care for that, but it seems like they're slightly more back on track uh, as to how they usually do it with like the lip sync and stuff at the end and somebody went home. So um, yeah, I'm going to keep watching it. I mean, I don't have much of a choice. I, ha- I have to keep watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you kind of commit to watching RuPaul, you, you got to find out what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I saw somebody the other day uh, make a request on the Facebook page that I get back into the Flavor of Love uh, ongoing saga. So um, I don't know when this one goes up, but expect that too. That was The Blob from 1988, as picked by Scott and I for Adam. Um, <laughs> uh, you can check out all of the future and past episodes on our various online pieces of uh, internet. Uh, Scott and Adam will run that down later. But you can also suggest movies to us at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I feel like this is probably a good enough time to announce that we are going to be making a slight change after episode 100. Uh, so what we are going to be doing from this point on, because we get so many picks and uh, there's, it's kind of hard to like juggle all the stuff that we want to talk about and make sure that the picks that we're getting are going to equal good episodes is that we are going to have uh, three monthly listener pick months. Uh, I think the first one's going to be in September, and we'll figure out when the other ones are going to be. But send us your suggestions. What we're going to start doing is putting all of them in a folder, and then right before that month, the three of us will uh, pick four movies somehow. Either we're just going to go through and say we want to talk about these four, or we're going to throw all of them in like a random shuffling generator device or something like that, or draw them out of a hat. Who knows? But there will be uh, various <laughs> listener-requested uh, movie months. Uh, so start sending us your suggestions now and we'll start stockpiling for what will be uh, the first four in September. Uh, there's a lot of good ones that have already been thrown into the hat. There's a lot of really bad ones that I hope we don't end up having to watch that have been thrown into the hat. <laughs> but regardless, into the hat they go. Uh, the, the, the fedora. The, 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 yeah, the, the proverbial sorry, sorry. fedora. The trib- trilby. trilby. Yes. <laughs> uh, but you can also stay in touch with us on social media and on line where you can listen to us and I will let Adam and Scott do that so I can stop rambling. Yep, you can find us on Twitter at HMN Podcast. You can find Scott at Fack and Duke. You can find Matt at St. Mort. And you can find me at Life is Sublime. Uh, we also have a website up and running now. I bet it looks real pretty. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it looks great, though. You can always find us over there at www.hmnpodcast.com. That should have all of our uh, our information on there. But uh, if that is not up yet, then Scott, where else can they find us? You can find us on soundcloud.com backslash horror movie night. It has all of our episodes uh, as well as some bonus content on there. And you can find all that material on iTunes or through your favorite podcasting app. Uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, we'll be seeing you again soon. like to laugh geek out on music and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth if so you need to subscribe to one hit thunder 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 